A huge and very warm welcome to all corners of the world. I'm your host, The White Rabbit, and I'm taking you on a trip down memory lane. We're discovering the adventures that I have gone through from 2016 until 2017. A year where I challenged myself to travel 300 days without using any money. Sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode. Hello and welcome to episode number 15. Um, yeah, exactly that. Um, today is going to be a, an episode where I'm super excited about because we are interviewing Diego, who is in the studio with me. And not Pepe Mujica. <laughs> That's sad. <laughs> I wish he would be here too. <laughs> That's, I'm the, I'm the second best thing you saw in your room. That's actually true. <laughs> Sorry. I know. <laughs> so, Diego, I'm super excited for this interview with you mm-hmm. because you are, you weren't only a lifesaver in Uruguay. You're also now a lifesaver because you're the one who uh, actually saved the podcast. Ah, thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, I was trying my best to have, uh, episode 14 uploaded but i couldn't i ran into all these little issues and i didn't realize podcasting was such a big job (laughs) like it's It's... not just like hit record upload and finish like it's way more than that i mean you can do that but it it will be shitty yeah exactly and i don't want to have a shitty podcast about my travel so no um i got in touch with you and you made me an amazing offer and uh you uh yeah you helped me finally edit episode number 14 and i was finally able to after six months or something of a delay i was finally able to upload it and today's episode you recommended me to buy me this crazy advanced futuristic microphone which i'm using right now so i'm like yeah so yeah um i'm super excited about this episode because this episode i want to give you carte blanche to have like something new and spicy to the episode maybe like a nice intro that you're gonna be like ding 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 on your guitar or something i will do like really really excited for that um so today is going to be a little bit different than what uh, everybody's used to and uh let's just dive into it right let's get in last time i was in uh argentina i had an episode with our lovely vale and i talked very quickly very briefly about my uh, quick detour to uruguay um i had like somebody who got me on a boat and i was able to hitchhike a boat to nueva palmira i think it was um and like on my website you can see the pictures and it's like absolutely stunning that uh trip there they really really treated me like a princess it was like amazing it was like so so good and it's very funny because as soon as i arrived in nueva palmira they said like montevideo was like i looked it up and it was like a three-hour ride and i got uh, my website here with me right now and it's really funny because somebody told me like oh that's gonna be impossible to hitchhike to montevideo it's gonna take you like at least two days uh, and i'm like well you don't know me then yeah <laughs> yeah and also from 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 
Colonia to Montevideo is like a straight line. There's nothing weird happening. It's just, you're there. Yeah, no. <laughs> and then I'm riding here. Like I'm only waiting 10 minutes for my next ride. That takes me straight to one kilometer from my destination. Two days, please. Two hours and 56, uh, 65 minutes. No, 56 minutes to be exact. Oh my God, I'm so bad with numbers. So yeah, the driver left me one kilometer from your doorstep and I arrived and it was such a warm welcome. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, I can remember. There was a friend there with you, Mario, I think. Mario. He was living with me like like for six yeah. months. But not officially. No, we were not married, <laughs> uh, but he, he, we were living together. Yeah, he was just... Asking from time to time, like, can I go to your place for a time? I was like, yeah, but you, you, but you make music for me. So I, I was always, always making him record stuff for me. He was an excellent piano player. He is an excellent play, piano player. He didn't die so far. <laughs> yeah, he was, he, he's amazing. Um, I remember he was like not your usual friend or something. Like he was, he was extraordinary. Uh, he is extraordinary. And, um, like introduce yourself, Diego, because you can tell, like, tell, tell everybody who you are because you're a really interesting guy. Ah. Why do you podcast, for instance? And how come you saved the podcast? All right. I'm Diego uh, from Uruguay, from Montevideo, but from the outside of Montevideo. Uh, I make music. Uh, subsequently, since I'm a nerd, I know a lot about audio. So I work mostly with making music, producing music for others. I did some soundtracks. I do my own music. I edit podcasts. I have my own podcast, which I recorded two chapters like in July and I still didn't edit them, but I did edit your chapter and I'm editing other stuff. So it's, there's, there's something weird. There's like a self mutilation having, happening there. I, I, when you came to Uruguay, I was hosting people at my place with couch surfing when it was free. Remember those times? Mm -hmm. You were my last guest because right after you went, I just came here to Europe. So now I'm in Berlin since seven years. First, as a hitchhiker, I learned to hitchhike. Uh, to, I learned to hitchhike with you. And then I graduated and came here. And I even passed by your hometown one night. Yeah, 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 exactly. Because it's it's really, really special. It's like amazing how the universe just provided to for me at that time because I really wanted to go to Montevideo to meet my, I don't know how to say, my idol maybe? Yeah. Um, and Pepe Mujica. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, you ruined it. <laughs> no, he's known to be um, the world's poorest president. And he is like such a source of inspiration. I uh, got to know him or I, I, I learned about him when I was still in Belgium through one of my favorite documentaries all time. Uh, one of my favorite documentaries, Human, the movie. And in the first one, he gives an 
excellent speech about how, the way how he thinks about money and how he thinks about life and everything. I was so inspired by that person that I was like, okay, if I'm going to go to South America and I'm going to be close to Uruguay, I really want to go to Uruguay and maybe have a chance to meet him because I was so inspired by him. <laughs> and then I told you about it or I told people that I wrote a request on yeah, couchsurfing yeah. that that was my goal of going to Uruguay and it was like crazy like your message like come on you were like oh I only live like five kilometers from his door and I know where he lives it's like what is that like public yeah, everybody knows where he lives yeah but i didn't know that was like yeah that, something publicly known for us it's like yeah that guy yeah he was in prison with my grandfather for example really i didn't even know that yeah and he, while while he was a senator he was selling flowers in the street market that, and just everybody knew him like just a part of the neighborhood nice. like this guy yeah he's amazing yeah what he does and what he says is like extremely inspiring. I find it awesome that he also takes his time to, to speak. He talks and then yeah. the next thing comes and it's yeah. little small amount of words, but super meaningful. And every word is, has a, an intention. He doesn't speak crap to fill the void. No. And he's pretty direct. He's a human being. He's, he's like a weird politician. Yeah. Because he belongs to the politicians. He was always a politician, but he, he feels like more, more real, more like a neighborhood person. Yeah. 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 Exactly. He is a neighborhood person. Yeah. Because you, you are from, uh, from Uruguay. So uh, you're from Montevideo or the outskirts or whatever. But, um, what does this person, like he's been a president while you were living there? What did he mean to you? Like what? What was it like for you? Well, I was still under age when the elections, but I wanted to vote him. For me, it was still from all the politicians I lived. Uh, he's the only one that I believe in. Um, the other ones, even they are from the same party or whatever. I don't really trust them. Uh, there's so there's something hiding before they their words. And in Mujica, I trust him. I I don't know. There's, it's a very controversial person because he was in the guerrilla, but still, I, I never felt betrayed by, by anything he did. Yeah. For me, my first elections that I had to vote was the ones for the next president after him. And I just didn't want to vote. And voting in Uruguay is mandatory. You have to vote, but you can just cast a empty vote. And that's what I did because uh, I just wanted more Mujica or another person like Mujica, but there wasn't. And it, it felt very disappointing that the only time I could participate on democracy was that. And yeah, now in Germany, I cannot vote and there's no remote voting in Uruguay. So that was my only participation on democracy. He's very practical and he is also in terms of, of philosophy, utilitarian. He's not like an idealist. He knows what's realist to do. And what would be the best case? Like he, he's not like a, uh, how do you say? He's not radical. He's not just like, nah, let's, let's make socialism here. And this. no, he said, this is a society on, with a certain shape. And I will do my best to 
just carve that shape into a little bit more of like fair. And that's what he did. He didn't change the country in a very deep way of now it's like communist or something like that. He changed it with culture and with his, with his talking and with his way of being and explaining stuff. I mean, he's the president and everybody pays attention to what the president says. So we all learned from his philosophy. Even if you people like him or people didn't like him, you still had to hear what he had to say. And it was a deep cultural moment. Also in the terms, there were so many jobs. Like those those five years where Mujica was president was the best economically. Everything, Everybody was getting a new job, a new car, a new everything, even myself. Um, then afterwards, one, one can do the, like a correlation and say it was thanks to him, but there were, there are two phases of the same coin. It was a great couple years for the planet in general. And he happened to be the president. So stuff was extra better. And then, then we got a pandemic (laughs) all because Mujica is not a president anymore. Uh, can you give an example of one of the most impactful things that he did? Yeah. Um, the first one is I was directly involved. There was a plan to put fiber optics in the whole country in a record time. We had very, very bad internet, very bad. And in terms of like two, three years, the whole country had fiber optics and the best internet on the planet for a couple months. And that brought a lot of new jobs, opportunities, because now wow. Uruguay was connected to the world. So that meant more, more internet companies, more servers, more website development, more education available for, for that. Because you don't have internet, why would you work remote or why would you develop software? So that opened really the window for people to do internet work and, and be way more connected. And there was also a lot of openness in general. The country was pretty, it was developing still, but his rock star status brought a lot of attention to us. You know, we, we got our five minutes of fame on the planet and everybody started to know what Uruguay is. And yeah, it was very, a very intense time culturally. Imagine your small village now suddenly is super being talked about and all the tourists wanted to come here. And he really went and took the country and put it on the map again. So far, the only thing we had that could do that was football. But now we had a philosopher doing that. And it's just very incredible cultural transformation because we also, it's a small country with not really much, many people. And we gain confidence after, after that. We say like, yeah, we can do stuff. We are not that tiny or poor and stuff. We can do shit. And then, yeah, I know, for example, that internet thing, it was so simple and everybody got a lot of jobs. I had a job and I I got like a free capacitation. I just went to the technical school and I learned how to do that job, got a diploma. And then like weeks later, I had a job doing that. And you were... you. You were able to go to that school for free or yeah. was it like a public school? Yeah. Public school. It was a technical public school. It's like secondary. Yeah. And a lot of people and a lot of people got that job and got really good money. And it was a temporary thing because it's only until it's done 
but so many people could transform their house or buy a car or invest on this and that because it was a couple years of, of really good stuff. And also, we also saw a transformation of who works at what in that period of time. More women working as police officers, more women working uh, on the construction. In construction sites, you always saw only men. And then suddenly you, you're on the highway and this this construction there and you, you saw also women. And it felt like a paradigm shift. There was, it was a very, very flipping of a pancake time. And it's, it's just great. It was a high point on, on, on everybody who lived that time. I remember what had the most impact on me hearing about him is the fact that he chose as being a president not to live in the presidential house and stay in his normal house because he said, like, I don't need that. Yeah. And the other thing was they used to give a president private flight or a private plane. And he said, like, I, I don't need a private plane. Like, I can fly with everybody else. Like, I don't need to fly private. Give me a helicopter, which I can use to save people in the mountains if people are stuck there or something. And those two things had such a big impact on me, like hearing that a president is, is capable of doing that, is capable of denying extra luxury that a person maybe doesn't need. That was like super inspirational for me. And that makes him to me the rich, richest uh, president ever lived in not really the poorest because he's really rich. Yeah, that's that, that poor thing is just a label, like a stamp. But if you get deep into him, he's not, he's not poor. I mean, he's, at all. He's, he's, <laughs> how, uh, how do you say he chooses austerity? Yeah. Yeah. There's, there was a very important thing he said. It was, if you, if you want to make money, don't get involved in politics, open a business. Your mission is to make money. Then you're in the wrong profession, but corrupt politicians say like, no, it's the perfect place to make money. So it was more like a moral thing, right? Mm. Yeah, 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 exactly. So another thing, another thing he did was to open a school, to build a school right across his house where he could teach kids to do farm stuff. Um, I, I never knew if that project was finished because as soon as he stopped being president, then nobody cared about him. So while he was president, he was building that thing on front of his. Well, I'll get ahead of the episode a little bit, but um, I did go there with you first because I wrote a letter in English and um, I wanted to give that to President Mojica or ex-President Mojica. And I wanted to give him the letter, but looking back now, it was a little silly to hand him over an English letter because he only speaks Spanish and I didn't speak any Spanish at that point or very little. Um, so I wrote him an English letter, which I don't know if he ever read it. Um, I'm not sure. <laughs> um, so we went to give it to him and the guard was super friendly. And he said, you know what? Come back tomorrow in the morning. Maybe you can meet him. Um, he was very, very friendly. And I did. I didn't go in the morning though. I went a little later with your bike. And when I got there, Jose Mujica was already busy with other things, but the guard, he showed me around and he did show me the school, which you talked about. And, um, like the whole farming land, I helped with planting tomatoes and, or, or anything like just 
like half an hour or something we were on outside and and I helped there a little bit and I saw the school and it was amazing like the whole school was built from nothing like uh, all from recycled materials and like yeah donations and like it's wow it's so incredible and the guard also told me how much hate Mojica has had to endure like people saying he was fake or stuff like that because he's famous to drive around with his own car and like but then people see him driving around with a driver and then they they lose a little bit of the trust but yeah well i i love him still well he has this volkswagen beetle thing which he didn't buy like the neighbors when he went out of jail the neighbors make collected some money and bought him it was a present he didn't even buy it for himself um, and then someone else, I think the car kind of broke and someone gave him a new one. TV was there and he's like, yeah, yeah it's fine. Well, it's not the other one. I'm like, oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> now, um, another thing he did was donating 80% of the salary. So he got this salary as president and he, he created a fund where other politicians and other people could also do the same. And with that fund and the um, union of construction workers, they built houses for free for people. Exactly. Yeah. There were a lot of slums, people who just lived next to a river and everything was dirty. So new streets, fiberglass internet, free computers, um, and houses like real houses of out of concrete and with two stories. And that was all because of the donations of his salary and other people's salaries and, and the free work of the um, union workers. And also they didn't build it for people. They built it with the people. Like they were just supervising and telling them what to do, provided the materials and people had to build their own houses. Mm -hmm. So they knew what the value of it was. Not that suddenly you have a house out of nowhere and then you don't appreciate it. Yeah, so he was creating this plan for giving the poorest people new houses. And of course, he got criticized by that. Like, yeah, people need to work and da, da, da. And those people actually worked. They weren't just there scratching their balls. They were workers, but they didn't have enough to build a house. I mean, that's a lot of money. No, um, entire neighborhoods were transformed from a dirty slum where the streets were just full of rats and poo and plastic bags. No, they had streets and houses. Just transformation. Imagine being born in a slum. What are your opportunities? And if you're being born in a safe house, which is warm and doesn't get flooded and full of rats, like the future is really way better because, because of reasons. <laughs> and the helicopter you mentioned also, I think there wasn't like a private plane. They wanted to get one and he said, just get a helicopter so I can go quick. Whenever I need it, I, I use it. And when I'm not using it, you use it to transport people from car accidents and stuff to the hospital because there weren't really many hospitals around. Everything was centralized in Montevideo. And another thing he did was to create new universities that are not in Montevideo. So... That was a big thing that families from from the outside were really getting dissolved because the kids had to go to university and 
jobs and all of that in Montevideo. So everybody around watches grandpas and uneducated people. So he decentralized education and the industry in general. He put some new hospitals and new universities, but really, really in the middle of small, small towns. So then people, young people didn't have to change their life and rent a flat. And also only people with real money could do that and send their kids and pay a flat for them to study a career. And then whatever career they studied, they had to stay in Montevideo if they wanted to get a job. So that really, it was very deep, very yeah, deep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is incredible. And the, he's just an example of how it also can go in politics. Like it's, everybody says po all politics are bad and all politics is shit. But then he shows that, you know, it's, it's really up to you, like how you are as a person. And it's really how you want to be in life and how you want to see change and um he wanted to see change and he made it happen so um he's he's a huge example of how things can be different and uh yeah i respect him a lot for that and another thing he did also people expected him to be rude to create conflict but he actually put everyone together on the same page the, even the military who did horrible shit to him and corporations and business people he made it easier for everybody to get together because there's not really much people in uruguay so he put all of this cohesion like everybody was scared of what a government from mujica would be it was it was even a parody because of the way he looks and he doesn't have all the teeth and the way he speaks it was, everybody nobody believed that could be a thing and suddenly it was there and in his speech Some people thought it was going to be like a declaration of war or something, but it was even on the opposite. People, people wanted to see action, like putting the military in jail and this and that. And he said, we all did mistakes. And some of those military you want to put in jail, they're like 90 years, years old. I don't want to put any 19 year old in, in prison. And um, this is not a time for sp uh, fighting and creating more holes in our society. This is actually a time to look forward and build. And that's what he did. Wow. Thank you, Mujica, for, yeah, for, for all the change you gave us. And, and thank you, Mujica, for sending me to Uruguay because then I got to meet you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was amazing being with you. It was really, was really awesome. crazy. I remember. We always slept outside. Yeah. You guys gave me a hammock and you just slept on the floor. Yeah. Like, what? What was up with that? Like, why didn't we sleep in a bed? It was warm. It was very warm. You came in November? Yeah. December, November? Yeah. December. Yeah. End of November. And I was not really giving a shit about anything because I was already selling my stuff and about to leave. So for me... All of these social structures and the things you should do and should not do were like, I don't care. Yeah, so we slept outside because it was warm. And Mario was also a, propose, a proponent of, of doing always crazy shit. I'm more like a chilled, conservative, I don't give a shit person. And Mario and you were like coming with these crazy ideas. It was like, yeah. <laughs> I remember you were like I never had anything anything against any of your ideas. I was like, yeah, why not? Yeah, you 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 exactly. That's that's how I remember you. You were always like, oh yeah, cool. Oh yeah, why not? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Like 
<laughs> it was so funny. You were telling me like, oh, I'm um, leaving for Europe and uh, I'm going to go travel there, but I don't have much money and I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'll just do it and, and I'll see whatever happens, happens. And I was like, so how are you going to travel from one place to another? Oh, yeah, probably buses. You need to tell me which train or bus. And I was like, what? You have nearly no money and you are going to Europe traveling by bus and train? Like, that's stupid. Like, come on, you have a thumb. You can hitchhike. So I told you to hitchhike. You cannot imagine the amount of stupid shit that I did traveling. Yeah. And luckily, I, I got I got rid of some of the stupid shit because of your advice, but... The amount of mistakes you can do traveling are infinite. Yeah, exactly. And it was hilarious and it was really good. So I was telling you like, okay, so you're leaving on the 12th of December. You were leaving on the 12th of December. I remember very clearly. Wow. It was two days after my birthday. True. <laughs> and um, I remember I told you like, okay, I'm here for a little period. Should we? And you were like, oh, can you teach me to, to hitchhike then? And then I was like, maybe we should go on a trip together. And that's what we ended up doing. And my answer was, well, why not? Gosh, oh gosh. I was like, okay, I'm going to leave you to be the leader of this little trip. And you are going to decide everything on when and how we're going. I didn't know that. And... I was like the whole time sitting there like, for real? I wasn't aware of that. Like you packed nothing. Yeah. Literally nothing. You didn't pack a blanket. You didn't pack an extra sweater. You didn't pack extra pair of shoes. Like nothing. You were just, I, I, I think you had like maybe a little backpack. I even lost a shoe. <laughs> <laughs> I came back to Montevideo with less stuff that I brought. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Oh my God. And then we decided to leave on our little expedition. And it was like four o'clock in the afternoon when we wanted to start hitchhiking. I was like, what the fuck is going on with that? Like who leaves on an expedition to go halfway across the country uh, on f at four o'clock in the afternoon. Like that's the worst time to leave. Let me tell you something. In Uruguay, there is no sun. There's a grill, like a fucking microwave. That's why we left so early because if we, if we go like one hour before, we would have fried our brains. Like the sun there is just insane. The, and it's, it's in, the sun is so fucking crazy there that it, we painted it in our flag. <laughs> it gives us life, but it can also kill us. It's, it's a ambivalent God. Yeah. Dude, from 11 to four, you get red as a tomato. It's, yeah, you're buying cancer. It's like, I want to have skin cancer. Mm -hmm. That's why we went so late. Yeah, that's exactly my point. Like from 11 to 4, we could have also chose chosen to leave at like 9 or something or maybe 8, you know, in the morning. That would be a good time to leave hitchhiking. No, I have many reasons. Uh, I, I will prove you wrong. <laughs> hitchhiking is not, it's not for sure that you're going to be in, in a car the whole time. And... It's really hot in Uruguay. It's hot. You don't want to be at the shittiest time outside. Even in the, in the night, it's just a little bit fresh. It's just like fine. So, and there's more traffic. 
because everybody avoids to travel between 11 and 4. Yeah. Because it's hot. Even if your car has air conditioner, it's just a oven with wheels. <laughs> I think that's probably what you your reasoning behind that all all of that was back then too. Yeah. Ah, oh, it was so hilarious. And before I want to continue with the trip, we also went one time to the city center with a couple of your friends and I remember you guys were like pissed ass drunk, hanging out of the window, calling everybody puto. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> We had a song, it was Puto from Molotov. And it said, Puto, Puto. Yes, those friends were my friends, uh, Agustin and Tito. And we went to, to Europe together to make a tour. That was my first time in Europe. And I think they just wanted to say goodbye because they knew I was going. So that was our goodbye thing with you. And we went to the Faro of Punta Garretas. That was the southest point where you stand there and on front of you, there's just water, water, water. And then some went penguins. Yeah, it was really, really funny. Yeah. Yeah. I was dropped in the middle of a friend. Uh, I didn't remember that. Friend thingy. It was so, so hilarious. Um, Sorry for that. And no, 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 it was totally fine because I already saw your uh, music videos from your metal band, <laughs> which were. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were hilarious too. They're very illustrating, yeah. Oh, wow. I love it. I really want to post the, the one that you edited while I was with you because it was hilarious. And oh, yeah. We should. I should post in the show notes the uh, uh, original video that people can watch and maybe they should watch it first just so they can... It's a parody, yeah. The selection filter was the original song has to be bad and we had to make it in metal and not take ourselves seriously. So the whole thing was not take yourself seriously. And I think that was also what the people wanted to see on our shows. We were doing every kind of stupid stuff uh, on stage in, and every time different we, because we were a group of people who didn't take themselves seriously. And in that video clip, you can see how not seriously we took <laughs> <laughs> life. <laughs> ah, it was so funny. Yeah. And I, that was my last thing. My last thing ever I did in Uruguay. I, I did that. Yeah. Published it and then I fucked off. Yeah. That, so uh, that was my trophy. Your goodbye. Yes. Yeah, your goodbye to Uruguay. And I remember Mario was also uh, in in that collaboration. Um, and he, the reason why I thought he was very interesting, because he introduced me to uh, Spirited Away, the movie, the very fam famous uh, anime yeah. from Japan, Oi. I think it Oi. is. Yeah. Um, he was the Oi. first one to introduce Oi. me to it. And it's, wow. Yeah, Oi. it's still sticks with me to this day I, I didn't see it you didn't see it yeah but mario mario it's from another planet yeah he just comes and go he's a programmer and he plays chopin out of memory and sometimes i was just trying to sleep and he was like at 1 a.m and i say can you play with headphones I'm like, <laughs> putting headphones and then you could hear <laughs> Poor Mario. Yeah. Yeah, I think he he never discovered masturbation. That's why. 
No, man, you should try something else. I cannot sleep. I should play Chopin. Nee, nee. <laughs> oh, gosh. Gather yourself, Diego. Sorry. Um, yeah, so Mario was always proposing crazy stuff, and we were doing a lot of crazy stuff. I remember that time we played in a concert. We played the goodbye concert of the band, and it was all fake. We were all, we knew everything was fake. We were making a fake last concert. We just wanted people to come to a concert because where we live in El Cerro, nobody wants to go there. They all say it's full of criminals and it's dangerous and stuff. So we never organized a concert there. The only way we could organize a concert in El Cerro and hope that our, our people come to it is, is saying that it's the last one. So. They are not saying like, we don't go to this one. And then we go when they come to the city. No, it's the last one. Bye. And it was a success because a lot of people came and <laughs> it was mean because we did a great show and, and in an abandoned building and we were doing theatrical stuff. And there were people in the, in the audience crying, singing our stupid songs very loud and crying because they couldn't believe that the band was not happening anymore. And then later on, we just say it was all fake. We just wanted you to come to see us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're mean. You're very mean. Yeah. But your music is uh, very mean too. Like it's very good. Thank you. Uh, I'm not a big metal fan. And, um, I really like, like what you, what you're doing and what you did back then. It's, uh, it's incredible. Thank you. Um, my, my partner. Uh, the father from our beautiful daughter. She, uh, he is also a very big metal fan. And, uh, I also introduced your music to him and, uh, he thinks like, yeah, it's good. Nice. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. You should just go for Graspop or something. You should come to Belgium and play at the big metal meeting here. It's not that I don't want. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, a <laughs> it's a big thing. Yeah. yeah. And working towards it. Oh, it would be amazing if, if ever. Yeah. Anyway, I love your music. I love your style. And, uh, yeah, remember the, 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 the trip we went on was also like, it was life cha changing for me and for you, I think. Really? I thought uh, you were uh, the whole time like, yeah, this is what I do. Yeah. But it was very interesting. And for me, everything was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> For me, it was very interesting because it was the first time I took somebody along on my, on the way I was traveling. And it was really incredible because you were, um, how should I say it? Like you, you were so open to this whole concept from what I was doing. Like you were, I remember we were hitchhiking and because we left at 4 uh, p.m., we arrived very late at Punta del Este, I think it was. We arrived to a little bit past Punta del Este. I think it was yeah. La Barra de Punta del Este. And yeah. there was a lot of rich people's houses that were empty. <laughs> <laughs> because it wasn't on the holiday season yet. Yeah, exactly. The holiday season is right after Christmas. Yeah. Um, I wonder why we we yeah. didn't try to open one of those houses. Because that's illegal. <laughs> <laughs> of course, that's why. Yes, of course, that's why. No, um, we, we first had the plan to ask hostels if they would be able to receive us um, and receive me without me paying for it. And 
then that didn't work out because nobody was interested in helping us. But we didn't try. It's just yeah, that we did. We, we tried. That was a plan, and we went to one to one hostel. Yeah. Ah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then we got denied. And then that was it because we were denied. And then we were like, okay, change of plans. What that wasn't Jose Ignacio. Okay. That's, that's actually the hottest spot on like, some people say it's the most beautiful beach in the entire continent. And it's very small. So my, that, that hotel you asked at was probably the only hotel hostel or something like that. Yeah. There was, yeah. I remember nearby. you were saying that it was like, yeah. So then we changed our plans and we went to knock on doors to ask if maybe somebody has like a blanket or something we could sleep on. Yeah. It, it was weird. Yeah. You asked for a blanket and it was just weird that in the middle of the night, some person comes and that's why I always sent to you because you were the blonde woman who's, who's, Spoke another language. If I come in, it's just like it will shut me in the face. <laughs> and because, uh, come on, you didn't even bring a blanket. We were stranded in the middle of the night. We didn't have anything where to sleep or what to eat. Like we we had nothing. Yeah. So I was like, okay, if if we are sleeping outside, please let's just like at least try to I don't know have something to sleep on. And my, my, secretly, my hope was if I would knock on a door and if I would explain to people that maybe they would let us in or something, but that didn't happen. Um, but somebody gave us like a, a, a little carpet or something. It was like, we had a carpet. Yeah. 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 So we had a carpet from, from their living room, like the living room <laughs> carpet. We only needed to bring it back the next day and we just left looking where to sleep. We were just walking and watching. I mean, there was this beautiful house. I can, I can still probably find it on Google Maps for you. No, we don't do that because they will, they will call the police or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we, I have pictures on my website though. Let's like, describe it. It was a beautiful house. Not, not too crazy, not too simple. It was just a nice house. And we just went in, but not in the house. We got into the garden and then their back garden was the beach. It was the house and then a few steps, water. So we just took a couple, like we, we slept on their garden next to the water. Yeah. And the reason why we chose that garden wasn't because it was beautiful because we couldn't see shit at night. We didn't even see how beautiful it was until we woke up. Yeah. Um, we chose that place because there was a little wall that was going to protect us from the wind. Very windy. So at least we were like a little bit guarded or something. And then we placed the little carpet down there and we slept in the open air. You were freezing cold because I brought like a little liner. It was also very thin and not too warm, but uh, you were freezing cold. I remember you were like, Oh, this is so, this is my worst night ever. And then finally you fall asleep and you woke up the next day. You were like, Oh, this is the best night I've ever slept. <laughs> Dude, we were one meter away from the ocean it was windy and cold but that that was the atlantic ocean right there 
So it was very refreshing to sleep there. Yeah, it was crazy. It was really, really crazy. And then we continued our trip to Cabo Polonia. Yeah, that was the goal. You told me about Cabo Polonia. I have never heard of it before that point. And it is known to be the city without electricity or El Ciudad Sin Luz. And my hopes were high. <laughs> because it was the city without electricity. You expected hippies. I expected hippies. I expected like, I don't know, like camps, whatever. I expected like-minded people. I expected so much from it. Yeah. We actually got more from the city and from the places who that are supposed to be posh and super elitist. They gave us more than the supposed hippies full of love. Yeah, but then we're, that's a spoiler alert right there. So Cabo Polonio, we were hitch, we hitchhiked past Cabo Polonio because you can't get there by car. Um, so somebody dropped us off behind, like after Cabo Polonio. There is, there is from, from the highway, you can stop there in a bus station. And then from there, we, you had to take a truck. A very big sand truck full of seats that takes you through the whole nature because it's really far away from whatever. So you have to go through forest and in the beach. It's a really nice introduction. Feels like a, feels like an introduction for a movie or something. It's very good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But since we were hitchhiking, somebody couldn't drop us off there and somebody dropped us off in the village behind. Um, I remember we got a little bit of food in that village, uh, or you did anyway. I don't remember. Um, yeah, we ate a little bit and then, um, we walked by foot. I think it was very long walk. So we, we, ca we arrived around midday after midday. We arrived in this little town behind, bef like after Cabo Polonio. And from that little town, we walked along the beach. First, we had to take a little boat. Ah, yeah. Um, yeah, first. After Cabo Polonia, Valisas. Valisas, yeah. And first, we had to take a little boat to take us like across the ocean that was coming into the, yeah, to, that was coming into the land. And then small river. Uh, we took that little boat. Uh, you paid for it. I didn't have to because I explained my project and it was a very sweet uh, guy that was trying to earn a little bit of money with doing that. It was not really much money. It was like 50 cents or something like that. Yeah, it was really, really, yeah. And then we walked and we walked and we walked and you lost your shoe. Through the dunes. That's where I lost my sh my shoe. We were in the dunes. There were, I mean, the, the separation between the two towns is just sand. Yeah. A big wall of sand. Yeah. And I think, how many kilometers must it be? Five. It felt like 10 or 12, but it was probably like five or something. Oh my God. It was, that walk was so long. And I remember us complaining to each other and we like hoping to find like promised land somewhere like in Cabo Polonia. <laughs> I was, uh, uh, I never was in Cabo Polonia until I met you. That's insane. Yeah. I knew about it, but I don't know how many kilometers, I don't know how to measure kilometers in uh, Google Maps, but it's, it's a long way. Let me check if I wrote it down on my, uh, Sleeping in a hammock, meeting exp 
president, night view of Montevideo with your drunk ass night, sleeping at the beach in Punta del Este. Oh, it was um, seven kilometers further. Yeah. And you got us an empanada and a beer to share or some empanadas and a beer to share. Some empanadas, yeah, at, at Valises, because Valises is actually nice. It's not ha, doesn't have the fame of Cabo Polonia, yeah, but it's actually nicer. Yeah, yeah, and the reason why we walked was because the only way to get there was by paying the four by four truck that you talked about, um, by paying the driver to get us to Cabo Polonia. So that's why we decided let's just walk then. Yeah, it was 30 pesos for the boat, um, which was back then one euro, and you paid it for, for us. It was very sweet. And then we walked for, uh, along the beach. We, um, I found some beautiful shells and everything, and finally we arrived at the village when the sun was already setting, so it was already quite late. Yeah. But boy, oh boy, we walked like plus 5k and i was shook when we arrived at that little village well we were tired a bit of sunburned hungry and then these people were not really receiving <laughs> how we <At> expected all. <laughs> they were At just all. people making money they were just people business people that's it yeah they took advantage yeah. of this concept of this hippie village there's no light and this and that but you you see the restaurant and it says here you pay with visa right? yeah exactly like everywhere we went you uh, all over you have to pay with visa but it's the city without electricity so i was like what the fuck is this like how can it be a city without electricity if you ever like if everywhere you have to pay with visa and um every door we knocked on and we we were offering to work to clean for staying, everybody say no. Yeah, every door we knocked on to have something in exchange, everybody was very, yeah, very, um, yeah, not not very polite. And you didn't have a visa, but you wanted to get some cash, I remember. Uh, but you didn't have cash, and so we didn't have cash. We didn't have visa, so and nobody was receiving us. And then finally, there was this one hostel who said, "You know what? You can sleep in the hammocks outside. Um, you don't have to pay us anything. Oh, but if you sleep in the hammocks outside, don't tell anybody because you know then we don't want to have this as a commercial for for the hostel." And uh, you were. Now we're telling everyone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you were so pissed off because you were like very hangry um, that you were like, you know what? Fuck yeah. it. I'm going to the beginning of. <laughs> Let me tell you, that's one of my best anecdotes ever. <laughs> you were hopeful because you knew you knew you're a white, blonde, European chick and you can get whatever you want. And I was pissed because I, I was just pissed and hungry and I'm not a blonde a European chick. So yeah, you were trying to like talk with people and there were some other strangers. Uh, I remember you made a friend from the United States, uh, an old guy. And I was just like, I want to eat something. Uh, so the last truck of the day was going back to the bus station. That's, I don't know how many kilometers it's like, more than we walk a lot 12 i think a lot and it's there's no streets it's all 
nature and sand. So the guy took me for free back because I wanted to go to the ATM because my card was uh, just an ATM card. I arrived there. I said like, but he took you to for free. He didn't take you for free. You were going to pay him once you got the money out of the ATM. He was going there anyway, empty. I just hopped in and he left me there. And he's like, ah, yeah, I don't need the money. I was like, oh, great. No, no, no. I, I had to pay him, but I didn't have cash. I went to the cash machine. The cash machine was broken. <gasps> so I say to the guy, uh, it's broken. And he's like, whatever, fuck it. I'm going to sleep. And I was there alone and I, I knew I had to come back by feet, but I expected the bus station to be open and I could get some coffee or some snacks, refill and then go back to where you were with cash and food. And I didn't. So everything was dark. Um, it was a small village, two or three houses, lots of cows and, and, and animals. And I was terrified of spiders. And there are a lot of tarantulas there. Anyway, so I said, you know what? Fuck it. Whatever. I took a walk under, under the stars. And there was, at the beginning of this natural park where Cabo Polonia is, there was a door and a small cabin where the police should be watching. There was no one there. Everything was there. All the equipment and uh, all the stuff. The lights were on. And I was like, hello. I just wanted to get a lamp. Hello, hello, nobody there. I went around the thing. I clapped my hands. Yeah. So I just opened the window and stole a big lamp, these police lamps. So I was like, okay, I have a lamp. And I was just pointing down. I didn't want to step on a spider on my way there. That was the only thing I was caring about. And I was following the tracks because there were a lot of different ways on the sand. And I just wanted to follow the one I just took. With the truck, I didn't want to, I, I wasn't in the mood to get lost in the middle of nowhere, in the dark, where there's no civilization around and no, the cell phone wasn't working. So I walked and I walked and I walked and I walked, uh, pointing down. And then suddenly arriving to, I was like next to the ocean, walking parallel to the beach. And suddenly from above, a big green light. What? Like, and I was like, ah, oh, an alien. It was just a meteorite like being burned in the, in the atmosphere on top of the ocean. And that was cool. It was a green light. like, And it was flipping. No way. I didn't know this part of the story yet. Now you know it. I was flipping balls. I, I, I didn't drink anything. I didn't smoke anything. I was just hungry, trying to not step on spiders. And then suddenly this light is like, ah, and it was luckily no alien. Then I continued. And I, as I was arriving, I thought there was like a party because I was listening this. Woo! I was like, okay, so I go and you fuckers start a party. And, and I was really getting pissed. Then as I arrived, after like two hours of walking, it was completely dark and there was no party. Everybody was just sleeping and you were like there, the fire was turning off. And then you say like, Hey, I have a paella for free. I was like, yeah, give me that. Give me that. 
<laughs> just sitting. I took it and I turned around and I, yeah, I <laughs> and I ate the the rest, the whole rest of the paella <laughs> alone. And it, this woo was uh, continuing, and it was the sea wolves. They were doing. They were just <laughs> yes. sounding like like party teenagers. Yeah. They were like woo. <laughs> Just people getting mushrooms and flipping over. But no, it was the uh, sea lions. Yeah. Then we got to sleep in our hammocks. And there's this big tower, this lighthouse there. Just we slept under a lighthouse. So it, it was very gigantic. And I remember, remember waking up in the middle of the night. It was the ocean. And then everything was pretty misty. Like the clouds were really setting down. Then I opened my eyes and there was this light just and the sun of the ocean and this mist. That was pretty, pretty cool. It was just five seconds. I said, yeah. Then I continued sleeping. And yeah. Yeah. Well, my part of the story, you should cut it in somewhere because it's really funny because, um, so we arrived at, at, at this host hostel where we could sleep at the hammocks. And then you were still very pissed off. You wanted to go for, for food. You wanted to have some cash. So you were like, you know what? Fuck it. I will go to the, like with the truck because there's still a truck going there and coming back. I will take the truck there and back and I'll just go and get some cash. I'll be, I'll be back like in, in, in no time. Um, so yeah, you leave with the truck, you go, and I sit there, and I was just hopeful, like, maybe I will have something for eat to eat, maybe not, whatever, everything's fine, and I was sitting there outside the hostel near the campfire, they made a beautiful campfire, and I was sitting there, and somebody starts talking to me, and um, I explain the person uh, what was going on, who I am I, like... You were just, you just left because you were going to go get some money to eat yourself. But I was just there, whatever, seeing whatever comes on my path. And they were like, oh, really? You're sitting here. You, you don't have anything to eat, but we're making fish. We just bought fish today and, uh, with some potatoes. And we're like, we have way too much. Like we would never be able to finish it all. Like, would you guys want some? And I was like, sure of course so they were cooking that on the freaking fireplace they were cooking it with this thing and uh like all right in front of my eyes i asked if the, they wanted me to do like to help but they had hands enough so i didn't even even need to help and then after i don't know like half an hour an hour they gave me this beautiful plate full of food and I was sitting there like, this has been like a very long time since Diego left. Like he was going to go with the truck and come back with the truck and get some money. But he's still he's, like, he's still not, not here. And then somebody t said like, oh, but it was the last truck. Like there's no truck coming back. And I was like, oh my God, are you kidding me? Like he needs to walk all the way back here. Like what if he's lost? Like what if he, like what if there is something he needs? Like there was no uh, cell phone connection either. So I was like super worried. Um, and then I finished my plate and I was waiting and waiting and 
I still had a full plate for you because there was enough for both of us. And then all of a sudden <laughs> you get there and I'm like, what, where the hell have you been? And you were like, first I need food. And I was like, you're lucky because <laughs> I have food. And then you first, like you you ate like the whole plate. <laughs> like you were like, <laughs> and then I turn around like when the Hulk stopped being the Hulk and I saw people and they were talking like, oh, yeah, yeah. And then start to have conversations. I was back into the, eh, yeah, 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 yeah. Then you explained what happened. That was like 10 hours without eating. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. a long time, but it was. And I had, I, I hit the lamp in my, in my thing because it was stolen from the only police person who was <laughs> there around. So I just put it and I show you, like, look, look. And I had this gigantic thing there. Oh. And then when we went back, we were, on the next day, we went... Oh, but now you're going ahead of yourself. Sorry. Because, um, I slept in that hammock. And it was one of the worst nights in my whole travel. Really? Because it was freezing cold. I was promised the city without electricity, no lights. There's going to be a beautiful sky, starlit sky, whatever. But like you said, it was misty. It was cloudy. It was cold. The worst. It was super cold. I remember I was laying in the hammock, like with the whole hammock, like all over me, like trying to sleep like this. It was freezing it was so like no it was not nice <laughs> so we woke up extremely early i remember because we both were freezing and then um we left there were two dogs street dogs or whatever that came to hug us and followed us a little bit um we went somewhere to have a coffee somebody gave us a coffee I remember that we went to see. Yeah, yeah, there was like a small, small shop. Yeah, yeah, we went to see the sea lions. Yeah, we got some pictures of the sea lions that you thought were partying, who were not, or maybe they were. Who knows? And they didn't watch. <laughs> um, and then we decided to walk back. That was a nice walk in the in the forest. We kind of started walking in circles in one point. Yeah, so we first followed the track and then you said, but I know from yesterday that track is a long route. We should go straight through the forest. And if we go straight through, we will be way quicker. So that's what we did. But then we didn't realize that walking in a forest, you can get very easily lost because you don't know, you have no sense of direction. Like all the, because of the trees, you have to go left and right. And uh, yeah, before we knew it, we were like walking around in circles. I was getting panicked because I thought we're going to be stuck here forever. And then I think I never walked in a, in a forest before. It was insane. Like we were both were really like, what the heck is going on? And what the fuck are we doing? And then I remember that finally we ran into like a guy, like a, I don't know, he was chopping the woods or something do you remember that yeah and then i was like oh my god he has mate we should ask for mate but his mate was finished and we were like no <laughs> he had he had no mate at all yeah <laughs> yeah and then like after he told us yeah you should go in this direction there was like a small path yeah like on the edge of the forest and then we found this vigilant uh, cabin and I gave him the lamp. I was like, this is yours. <laughs> and he was like, 
what? Uh, yeah, I took it last night. From <laughs> now it's, it's there. And he was like, oh, okay. <laughs> he didn't give a shit. He didn't even know that the lamp was, wasn't there anymore. But it was just next to the window. It was an invitation for me. Oh, my God. Then we took, we hitchhiked again. But the mood was very different. And before the we start, but we started hitchhiking, and I don't know if it was there or at the next point, but I remember there was like a very crazy, beautiful dog. He's in my pictures, who like came running to us, and he was just always like this, like with us. Like ah, that was in Rocha. That was in. A, we were in a gas station, and he was next to the highway. And he was following us. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was so sweet, like super sweet. He was a very sweet dog. Yeah, I remember all the street dogs in Uruguay were extremely polite, extremely sweet, like yeah. very, very kind. Yeah, we have a lot of street dogs. That's one one thing I, I see in Europe. There's no animals that are just there. Yeah, only the birds. Yeah, and the foxes and some stuff. Yeah, but, but dogs, dogs and cats. No. no. Exactly. That's because of our regulations, I guess. Yeah, here's super regulated, and then Uruguay is just, <laughs> nobody cares. Whatever. People have horses, and nobody cares. Then we took a one long hitchhike from there to Montevideo in a closed van without windows. Yes, I remember. Oh, my. I just wanted to puke the whole time. God, that's so true. I almost forgot. Like, it was a white van. This is horror in Belgium. Like, if you would speak about hitchhiking in a white van, being trapped in the back without seeing anything, that's, like, the recipe for disaster. Like, that's the worst case scenario. Like, you're gonna die if you're in a white van. And I remember the guy stopped and he was like, okay, you can come with us, but you have to be in the back. We looked at each other like, are we going to trust this? And I remember we were both so tired from the whole trip that we were like, fuck it, let's do it. Yeah. And you're like, I don't care. <laughs> so we went in the back of the van and it was like, I don't know, there was like all these boxes, yeah, bags with like, like, like sandbags almost like. I think they were uh, transporting clothing or something like that. I don't know. I remember like bags of it was comfortable. It was comfortable because the, we could get on top of this these bags full of clothes. Bags with something in there, and then it was comfortable. But the the whole no windows thing. But we couldn't see shit. There was no windows. It was like dark as shit. We didn't know which direction we were going. We didn't know anything at all. And you were getting sicker and sicker with the minute. Like I was sweating. I was sweating. I, I went to puke. And, but it was impossible because we didn't eat shit. I know we ate some stuff. And in the last moment, I just needed to get out of the car. We were already in Montevideo. I said, fuck it. Let's take a fucking cab and fuck this shit. We, we, we survived the whole thing without paying. But this last period, I need a cab. So we took a taxi and went uh, back home. Which you paid. Yes. Yeah. And um and Mario wasn't there anymore or was he? No, he left when we left. He left to Brazil and he's still there. Yeah. And um yeah, we came back and uh, I don't know. I think after that hitchhike thing like the magic was gone. 
the we already saw Mujica, we already saw the Cow Polonio, and then there was if I had this feeling of you know Lord of the Rings at the very end that he's writing this book and it's like I really I really did the crazy shit and now it's just uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I remember that was the like the end of her trip and then I packed my bags, I think the next day or that day, I don't know. I don't remember. I think you left the next morning. Yeah, probably. Very sad. Said goodbye to your parents, who are very sweet too. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh I got back on the boat to Argentina. To your birthday. Yeah. To to have my birthday with with Vale and her family and everything and Jeez, what a trip! It was beautiful. The that that the weather was awesome. It was hot, and we could do those crazy shit like sleeping outside. It was it was a little bit cold, but it it was fine. Yeah. And in that time, you didn't see many of my friends. But normally, when a guest came from for for coach surfing, I was normally in the middle of doing a video clip. Uh, or, or, or there were, were just <laughs> four guests. No, the, the first ones, they came while we were shooting a video clip. Uh, so we'd say like, you sit there and you have to do this. So they instantly appeared in the video clip and they were just arriving to my place. Three French, uh, which is like, yeah, okay. Leave your bags there. Now put this close. And now you're, you're, this is your character and that's it. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, we had we had it quite easy because I already went through that crazy concert I told you. We already did the video. I just had to edit a little bit. Everything was pretty chill. It was the last week before I actually left. So all of all of my crazy activity and life and all that was already finished. That was a limbo moment. That's why we could do that trip because I had nothing planned. It was just waiting for my day of of of, of flying. Oh gosh, it was hilarious. Yeah. It was a really, really nice, nice experience, even though it wasn't what we expected. And then again, it was such a huge um, eye opener for me that when you have expectations, things don't go as planned at all. And when you have zero expectations from things, I mean, I was sitting there with zero expectations not to eat anything and then things just came to me. But when I arrived at the city without electricity, I had very high hopes. Like I had high hopes from the people working there, living there. It was just disappointing for me because everything was paying with visa and, and people were very close minded because of my project. So it was really double. It was crazy. Like uh, maybe one one point is maybe they're very used to a lot of people to come there and just want stuff for free. Um, and the other thing is that they're actually not really hippies no. or something. They're just people who want to make money no. out of tourists. So those those are houses, humble made houses, but they're mostly businesses. There are people. Yeah, coming. but then again, I want to correct you on the thing that you know maybe they're uh, like so used to having people f that one thing for free because that's not not at all what we wanted. Yeah, we wanted to work in exchange for that. We wanted to do like the whole pile of dishes from a restaurant. We didn't care. Like, give us dirty floors to scrub, like scrub whatever you 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 have. Like, we want to do it, and yeah. that's the thing where for free, like that's the whole point of my travel was not to. Have have anything for free but yeah to 
have do anything in exchange for it or something. Do it at all school. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but for these people, it's for free. And also, it was not season. Yeah. So there were, they didn't have really much guests. Everything was pretty empty for us. Even that house where we slept at the garden, even Cao Polonia, everything, even um, Valisas was like a ghost town. And the last time I saw, I visited Valisas, it was like a, like a festival. I don't know. It was crazy full of people. So when we were there, everything was empty. There was not really much to be done in exchange for nothing. Yeah. But we got a lot of solidarity from everyone else who was not in Cao Polonia, which was a hard lesson. And also what you say about expectations. I learned about expectations as well. One thing is when you don't expect anything, you're open. You are more like, like, yeah, whatever. Let's do that. And when you have a goal, it's like a filter. So you miss out on other stuff that could be also leading to interesting or good stuff. Other opportunities. Yeah. And the other thing is that when you have expectations, the new people you meet, they see it in your face that they, they know you're expecting something. So the, it could be hard to communicate because through your facial expression and whatever you say, you're letting them know that you came there expecting one thing. And that could turn people subconsciously off. Yeah, that's very true. That could have been one one of the things that I know. You know, when you when they introduce you to someone, and then you see in their eyes that they are just looking past you because they want this is just a step into their whatever plan they have, and that could have could have been what happened to us. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But it was it was very nice though. It was a very beautiful experience and. Uh, I learned how to hitchhike, <laughs> which actually with you was easy to hitchhike. Then I came here alone to hitchhike. I started in Paris. I ended up in the north of the Netherlands in two days in winter alone. And I was carrying a lot of stuff and I was full of clothes and I had this big jacket my mother made to me. I was looking like the Grim Ripper and I had more beard. And it was dark and yeah. So first I, I hitchhiked from the house of, 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 of a friend that I made in, with couch surfing. She was staying in Uruguay. So I left because everybody in that house, it was like a shared house with students and everybody left to see their parents. And I was alone in that house. So I took off in the night, like not in the night. It was like 3 p.m. or 4 p.m. like within Uruguay. But here it's dark already. So I started in the dark. And French people, they were taking me, but they didn't understand shit of what did I want. I, I didn't speak any French and I only learned to say, I'm going to blah, blah, blah. So, je vais aller Amsterdam. And they were like, what the fuck? <laughs> so, someone, someone told me, or, or I, I planned to go to your town. And then, je vais aller na, uh, Vergique. And they were like, <laughs> That's really far away. Are you sure? Yeah. So I had to Google Maps and try to think of the cities in between. And then, je vais aller Lille. And then, je vais aller pa pa pa. And I had to really to make it easy for people. In, uh, yeah. So, uh, in the first night, I was taken by three different drivers that they just drove me around Paris. <laughs> And I didn't left the city at all. I, I had to go to a hotel next to the Olympic Stadium. I was just 
there and didn't leave Paris in one night. <laughs> and the next day, I, I left walking uh, out of that hotel. It was next to the highway. And there I could start hitchhiking in very short periods until I got to Ghent. And it was really frustrating to see thousands of cars passing by and no one stopped until I just started losing my mind and I just started dancing. Uh, and I had a very stupid hat I bought in Paris in a Christmas market that looked like a big bear or, or a squirrel. And I had my sign that said, Amsterdam, I have a picture. I'm going to send it to you. And some people were laughing. I was like, ah, but not big chicken me up. So inside I was angry. And there's a thing that happens with, with me that when I'm angry, I'm more and more funny. I just get more and more aggressively funny <laughs> until I was aggressively funny and stupid and, and <laughs> detached from reality that someone took me because I was super funny and charismatic because I was pissed. So, <laughs> so they took me to your town. I was there in the mall. I ate something and everybody was partying. It was full of young people just <laughs> having a blast. There was this carnival thingy. And then your friend came out of work, uh, Lotte, and she and her boyfriend picked me up. So I, s I slept at, at their place. And then I tell you, I'm at this, uh, the house of Lotte and this uh, Mateus or something like that. And, uh, and, and you say, like, what? They're together? What? They didn't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> There's, they still are and they're getting married. Yeah. So I, I, I witnessed the beginning of that. And you didn't know. I knew first. <laughs> friends. Um, the next day, I just took away again very early because they had to go to work at seven or something like that. He works in the post or something like that. He was. He used to. Yeah. No, he used to. Yeah. That was a curious job. I left. I went to a cafe, took a coffee and some croissants. And then I had the worst part of the hitchhiking experience, which was, yeah, between that and the Netherlands. And everybody told me that between Belgium and the Netherlands is the easiest that everybody takes hitchhikers. Not my case. Not, not me. I was really, really, really an entire day hitchhiking. I took maybe one person took me into the Netherlands and then it was impossible to move forward. I was in the same spot forever. And to one point, the police came and said, you cannot do this here in the highway. I was like, you were okay. on the highway? And I ignored him and he went off. Then he came again and said, you're still out there. I told you, you cannot do this here. <laughs> and I, Come on, here are the cars passing by. And it was like, yeah, that's why no one is stopping because you are not allowed to stop in a highway. It is, it is a problem in France too. You were just lucky in France. You're not supposed to be on the highway like you you can be on a ramp of a highway you can be on a on a on a gas station of a highway but you can't be on on the but in france it was no problem you can't be on the freaking highway it was no problem in france it was a problem in belgium and in the netherlands yeah, of course it was a nightmare yeah and it was snowing and raining and i was having my cymbals and my guitar and a backpack with clothes and a backpack with other stuff it was like 50 kilos So the, the police guy told me to climb out of the highway and there was like a bridge. Like, and I told him like, come on, man, there's like one auto a day there. Where should I go? So I started hitchhiking there and it happened this very curious thing that someone stopped. It was about to pick me up and then saw me in the face and just continued. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I look like the fucking boogeyman. It happened like two or three times. People were like stopping and they're like, no, fuck no. And they, <laughs> they just continued. I was so pissed <laughs> that I started to scream and, and kick on my backpack and everything. Like, ah! Someone heard me from far away, got into the car and came to ask me if everything was fine. And I told him, yeah, I don't know. I want to go. <laughs> To Amsterdam at least, but nobody's taking me up. And, and they say like, do you see those lights in the horizon? Yeah, that's a train. You should take a train. I was like, yeah, whatever. I will take a train. So I started to walk this empty, very empty town. There was no one there. Nobody was on the streets. I don't know what time it was. It was late. Like, I think it was like 10 in the night. So there was nobody. So I just walked and then there were just canals. I was like, I expected streets here and there's just canals. Like I cannot continue walking. I cannot just jump over the water and or throw, throw my stuff. And it was <laughs> stressing. And then a car out of nowhere with a guy and his two sons saw me and had mercy. And he's like, are you all right? It's like, yeah, I had to take a train and then walk into the train station. And he said like, no, that's the wrong train station. That train station will not take you to Amsterdam. That's just in between small towns. I was like, okay, kill me. Just, <laughs> just kill me. End this. <laughs> this is it. I'm done. I, I failed life. Game over. <laughs> Fuck off, White Rabbit. Yeah. Your great ideas. Yeah. So he took me actually to the real station. It was like a half an hour by car. And he was super nice. And he was explaining the small kids that I'm speaking English, that I come from this and that. And, and I gave, the, gave them alfajores as a present. It was almost Christmas. It was on the 21, 21st of December. So then I took a train to the town where my friend lives. I arrived like at 1 a.m. And I just left. I was stinking, of course. So I took a shower. When I was taking my clothes off, I saw that I was full of muscles because of carrying all of this crap for three days, just carrying shit, heavy shit. <laughs> I was so pumped. I, had, I never had so many muscles in my life. Then, yeah, then I'm, that's it. Then I'm back to normal. <laughs> <laughs> you and your stupid ideas. <laughs> Yeah, I remember, I remember you were also one of the people saying to me like, yeah, but you're a woman, you're blonde, blah, blah, blah. And I remember getting really pissed because like with that whole concept of people telling me that it was easier for me because I was a woman and blah, blah, blah. But there is some truth in it. It is true that I'm because the, of the way I look, it's easier. It's not that I want it for myself to be easier. Um, so I don't, I don't, I don't like the fact that it is, but it is a fact that it is easier. It is a fact. I mean, if, if you're driving and there's hitchhikers, I, I will trust more a woman. But that's insane, isn't it? No. I mean, most of violent crimes are made by men and we naturally feel. Yeah, and exactly. That's also insane. Like it's all insane. It's all, it's all stupid and it's all silly. And it's stupid also to feel rejected like that on hitchhiking. It's like, come on, man. Of course. I didn't yeah. plan to kill.